Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing well. We kind of had a little bit of a dark podcast in the last one. But I'm sorry. No, I apologize. Okay. I was really heated. It's okay. We had to get it out. We had to get it out of our system. And here we are. So I have a couple things. I don't really like football, but I do like football, like a few football players. I don't have a team. <laughs> I don't have a team. I don't care about LA Rams. I don't care about LA Chargers. I don't care about any of it. But I do like Joe Burrows. And he got hurt. So our prayers are with Joe Burrows. Absolutely. We hope that you have a speedy recovery. Uh, Aaron, uh, it's Burrow. Burrow. I'm going to call him whatever I want to call him. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Burrows, Burrow. Is it Burrow? Burrow. Sorry. Yeah. Burrow. Well, no, I don't care. No, come on. Uh, let's jump into, we just watched The Queen's Gambit, <laughs> which is, is it The Queen's Gambit or The Queen the Queen Gambit? Queens. If you want to correct me. <laughs> Possessive. Um, the Queen's Gambit. It's not a true story. But it feels like it's the like unofficial story of Bobby Fischer. It feels like the female version of a Bobby Fischer. Bobby Absolutely, Fischer story, yeah. kind of. Like, what is it like the the is it the '60s '70s? Yeah, yeah, it was set in the '60s. But it's on Netflix. Kind of a cool show. I liked it. We've I you taught me how to play chess when I was four years old. So that that's always been in our family. Absolutely, it's your move. It is my move. But we play on a little app. Where we play against each other, and we have a chess board that goes with us around the world whenever we're in hotels we'll, we'll pull it out and, and play you are much better than i am but i have beat you a few times you have you have a few victories you do and i think i beat you last christmas in under seven moves and that no no actually under 11 moves it wasn't no no it was uh no 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 you yes, have a mismemory yes. no no i did <laughs> i've never been beaten in under 11 moves I, I beat you very quickly. I just beat you in 33, but... but okay, the, well, after you beat me in 33 moves, how many moves did I take to beat you the next game? Oh, my gosh. It, it was eight. Eight. Okay. No, I don't even think it was eight. I think it was under no, eight. No, it was eight. It was eight? Yeah. <laughs> but last Christmas was my, was my first victory in 31 years. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> it's taken me a while. You're a phenomenal... Yeah, but you're also, like, unofficially ranked. You've beaten, what is it, 2,500... 22, 23. Yeah, you've beaten yeah. some really high up there players. I've never played it officially. That's when I used to play. That's when you used to play. It's been a long time. So chess. Everybody get into chess. It makes me happy though. It's a it's a it's an intelligent game. So when people are playing it, they're really gonna grow, which I, I do love. Well, I learned from my grandfather, so you're you received generationally and yes. something I received. And he taught me when I was three years old. And he was Do you notice how he said three when I said four? He just had a one up me. <laughs> Well, you weren't ready at three. I had to wait till you're a little more mature. Okay. <laughs> I remember okay. teaching you at three. Okay. And uh, by the way, there's also a great book. Brooke didn't like it because like it, I bought it for Christmas a couple of years ago, but um, it's called The Loonsburg Variation. Oh, I love that I book. I love that book. Oh, come on. Brooke. Did you even read it? You didn't read it. <laughs> it, was, it was, it's an antique. It was very, it was interesting. Oh, okay. It's a great book. I love the book. It's a, it's a short read if you can find it on Amazon. You can buy it used. No, actually, it's a, here's, a I think, an interesting point. I taught you to play chess when you were three. And the reason I believe I four. you could play at four, whatever, since you have a better memory of it at four, and uh, is that I was taught at three, so I knew that someone could learn. I wonder how many times we actually limit our human capacity or even the human capacity of others because... We've never seen it done before. 
And so it was just natural in, in our home to learn how to play when you're three, four, five years old and to play all the time, to learn all the moves and to even develop a more complex game. I mean, I don't think my game became more complex until I was probably five, six, seven, eight years old. And, uh, but by the time I was 10, I had a pretty, pretty strong mastery of the game. And which, you know, I could beat pretty much any adult, you know, I would, I would face. And, and I think a lot of times we limit our intellectual capacity, our, um, our capacity in every arena because we, we were just told we, you can't do that yet. Joe Burrow got injured. <laughs> what I liked about Joe Burrow is I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, I mean, I know you, you love him and as a player and... But I think a couple of weeks ago, he got hit by two players late and he looked for the flag and the referee did not throw a flag. I think even the defenders looked and there was no flag. And instead of whining, complaining, instead of yelling at the referee, um, evidently he looked at the defenders and he said, that's okay when I'm the GOAT, I'm going to get that call. And, and they were talking about how everyone was shocked that he would say that. He was like saying, hey, I'm a rookie. I don't get that call. You're going to get to hit me really illegal even, but it's okay, I'm not going to complain. One day I'm going to get that call. So there's like a mindset that enters in even when someone achieves greatness. And I think one of the reasons you like Joe Burrow is because he's, he's got that, um, that swagger to him, you, you know, but he also is able to um, live up to the swagger. Like, you know, he actually has the talent and the ability and the mindset. And I think it's one of the things, one of the reasons I like chess so much is that one is you have a, a limited board, you have a limited number of pieces and places, and yet you have unlimited possibilities based on the dynamics between two players. And I just think it's really important in life to realize that everyone has limitations and, and every situation has certain limitations, but it doesn't mean you don't have endless possibilities and opportunities in the middle of it. I mean, how many times have you felt like stuck and you feel like I don't really have any options? And, and yet, if you step back and look at the board afresh, you'll find that your life is full of other options. And I know during even the pandemic and during the quarantine, people have felt really stuck. And they felt like there's not a lot of places they can move. But if you'll step back and look at it with fresh eyes, you'll see new possibilities. And, you know, and then I think, I think it's one of the things I learned when I was young was the, the power of choice. If you make a good move, how many times have you made a move and you thought it was a good move? And then afterwards, you realize I didn't see that. Right, you know, and uh, and one of the things that taught me was to to try to pay attention and look to see what are the consequences that I may not be paying attention to. I mean, how many decisions have you ever made in your life where the consequences were almost surprising because you didn't step back before you made the choice and look at the implications of that choice? And I uh, and uh, and I think there's also like a third dynamic is the strongest moves are both offensive and defensive, and there's a sense where like in life. You want to risk and make progress, and you want to take territory, take ground, but you also want to be defensive. You want to make sure you're protecting your integrity, your character, and, and who you are as a person. So there's this interesting tension between uh, expanding and, and, and deepening at the same time. So I, one of the things I love about chess is I feel like it really has a lot of great life lessons in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that we watch, we get so like wrapped up into these shows that kind of give us a sense of freedom in a time where I feel like most of our freedoms are being taken away from us. Yeah, because you're, you're, not, you're not doing too good today. 
no, probably not doing super good today mentally, but I think it's off of a weekend where I was sitting at dinner last night and the guy goes, well, we'll see you in a few months. And I was like, what do you mean? We'll see you in a few months. And he's like, oh, we're closing down again. And I was like, that's ridiculous. We're sitting outside probably, I mean, not kidding, like probably 10, 15 feet away from the next table. Like they were taking six feet to like the nth degree. And it's like a local sushi spot that we like to go to and a lot of people like to go to. And we're sitting in a parking lot underneath the tent with all these heaters and the guy's like yeah it's like it's just crazy like what did what are we supposed to do you know and it kind of made me think one how hard we try to escape but then when we come back to reality reality hasn't really gotten any better (laughs) and it's just it's kind of wild to think that we were 11 months into this we're closing out november in a few weeks and and we will have been in this space for a year and it's hard to have hope sometimes when it's like more of your options are getting shut down and everyone's like, where are you going to go during all of this? And it's like, we're going to go to the most free place. But also at what point did the place that we um, come from stop being so free? And, and it's just a little frustrating at times. So like we watch these shows and it's like a great escape and it's a great, like we were talking about chess and what'd you learn from it? And I'm like, I don't know. I learned that you can like if growing up there was like an it was probably like an ego thing like oh you don't play chess like that's sweet <laughs> you know like you're a, you're a primitive man <laughs> that's and, not what i was trying to we, teach you no i know but <laughs> but like and it was it was interesting because you know my great-grandfather who was pretty much raised you would tell me like you know people who speak slow think slow <laughs> And he was and he was like an intellectual elitist which is where i think the chip of my shoulder comes from You've had to teach me since to be kinder and to be more open to people. But um, no, but I think chess is one of those things that, that, that creates um, um, an intellectual stimulation uh, and this ability to go to war with someone else's mind in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. In a way, you know, we've left chess matches angry <laughs> and having to sit there and like reflect back moves going, this is where it broke down for you. And this See, is for where... me, it's a little different. What do you mean it's a little different? Well, when I win, um, I'm happy. And when you win, I'm happy. That's not true. I've yeah, been, no, because I, no, when I've you win, I feel not. like I it's an expression we were, of my ability we to teach you. So in, we were sitting in your house last <laughs> December when I beat you, and you sat there in silence. <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been the first time I lost by accident. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never beat you before. So it's not even, that's like not even close. I've like never even come close to beat you. I just you. mean in general. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So and you've never like given me a win ever. And that's not a thing. Well, I, I bet I give you room to play. You do give me room to play. You probably give me <laughs> six moves on most games. Because yeah. I want you to step into the complexity of it a little bit more. And yeah. And, but I, I, I think you're, um, you're really where a lot of people are, you know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, but even that's under the shadow of everything that's being lost. We, um, this is supposed to be a time of joy and celebration and peace and community and friendship. And, and then we're being told, no, you need to do this alone. And, um, I, I think, I think people are really struggling right now, you know, and watching the Queens of Gambit. And by the way, the other show that's kind of Still in the sweet spot is the crown, and which is also a chess game, and we're entertaining ourselves as a way of escaping 
from the reality of life, right? And yeah. and then, you know, once the series is over, maybe that's why when the series is over, we're more devastated because we have to go back to real life, which is almost going back to nothing sometimes. The, the Crown is a great example of people's life who should be better than ours, but is worse than ours. <laughs> if it, it is, it's so depressing. I can only watch like, I can only watch like half a show at, at a time because it's so depressing. Yeah, I've always been very much against aristocracies. And I've always had a um, anarchist kind of twist or, you know, um, bent toward myself. And this series only reinforces how I think aristocracies do not have the right to exist. Why should someone be called a queen or someone be called a prince just because they happen to be born of one family? It's, it's to me so absurd. And I, I know that we have friends listening in London and across the UK, and I don't want to, I don't mean any disrespect. Uh, to you or anything or to your nation. Um, but it just reinforces to me the the tension of entitlement versus meritocracy. I really believe in a meritocracy where people have to work and and out of that work can be paid for the value and quality of their work. That as opposed to a, an entitlement mindset, which can be an aristocracy. And so then you're just born and you're a prince, you're a duke. But it can also be in a mindset of this is what I deserve. This is uh, one of my friends, um, Angela Davis, one of our friends, and she started a company called Army. And she talked about how they did like 150 days or something like that online for free of training people and providing people all this content and all this experience for free. And in the moment they put the experience uh, online uh, for subscription, um, they had the people who really were w willing to pay for the value. Then they came back and did something else for free, and they said they gave like something away, and someone said, next time, give something away that has more value. And she said, I was just so struck how we're giving things away, and then people are angry we didn't give more away. And that becomes a part of the cultural entitlement. And the, the, the mindset of entitlement that you see in the crown among the royalty can actually become a cultural mindset of entitlement that says, the government should be giving me this, the church should be giving me this, my parents should be giving me this, others should be giving me this, rather than all I want is opportunity uh, to be the best version of myself and to create the best life that I can with the gifts and talents and determination that I have. I don't have like the most positive thoughts on The Crown because I, because <laughs> I, because last night, no, I literally, that's the last thing I did before I went to sleep, I watched, what episode did I watch? I think I watched seven. And I mean, it's a very interesting thing. Like, yes, she's the queen. Yes, there's the prince. <laughs> but are they the queen and the prince, or are they? They're they're in a way no different than the crown jewels on display in a museum. Like they, they one line they refer to Buckingham Palace as as the prison. Mm. Like one one of one of I think it might have been it might have been someone talking about what Prince Charles would call. Buckingham Palace, mm. the prison, and it was very. And they he calls it the house. He calls, it, but they give it a nickname, and it was like a dark thing. And I was like, oh, it's very interesting that 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 I think. Oh, we live in a time where you're not allowed to be a conqueror, right? Because that was the idea of a king was that he protected a land that he conquered, that he conquered, and protected the people inside of it. And it was on him to protect mm -hmm. the people and to protect the land, and then to make trade possible. And then you worked your way up, and then you became somewhat closer to not being a peasant, right? 
the rest of us. <laughs> but I but I do think it is interesting now that that we're in a place where we don't take things from people in that way anymore. So now that we have this like facade of monarchy because it really isn't monarchy anymore. It's it's a it's a protected bloodline. And that was an interesting thing that the last episode I was listening to is like all of this conversation around like how to keep the bloodline pure, how to keep the and I'm like at what point do we just go you're just human and Hey, but do, do we have our own have sense no of power. aristocracy when we have um, senators who have been there for 40, 50 years? We do, do we, of when course. When we have congressmen who yeah, are there and when we have family after family of family generationally, it just keeps getting elected and 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 politics becomes um, the their, churches, their livelihood. Though. Same thing in churches, though. Yeah. You have, you have like multi-generational pastors. Which is something I was completely unaware of until the last 10 years. Yeah, we didn't think that's something you could inherit. Yeah, and... <laughs> Nor is it something like you want to inherit. No, <laughs> and, uh, no. You you would rather be able to do battle ready without um, having any relationship to being a pastor and just speak your mind, say whatever you want. No, and, and, and maybe this is where this episode should go, because I think I've watched what people do to pastors. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I'm good. Like, <laughs> no, I'm being really honest. Like the the people, like the mass general public destroy public figures now it does not matter if you're a good one or a bad one or you've done good things or you've done bad things at some point it's like it it really is just a matter of time before whatever bad thing you've done comes to light and then it is it is compared to your status so if you're famous enough if you do bad things it doesn't matter because you're above your reputation is beyond the ability for the mass population to bring you down exhibit a would be like an, a Kardashian, <laughs> or the monarch, mm-hmm. which is funny that they're in the same line. <laughs> where where your, your talent has paid the price for your character? Like you don't have to have character because your talent kind of pays the price for your lack of character. Yeah, or you're, no, you're, you're just fame. You're pure fame. Because I don't, wouldn't think, like Kardashians are great business people, but I wouldn't say like, you know, they got famous by just being people. And, and But it's like really, if there's anything more like more like modern art, like than reality <laughs> television, like you can knock mm-hmm. it. And I think a lot of people have, like where they get famous for, they got famous for doing nothing. Like, yeah, that's the brilliance of the getting famous for doing nothing is they, then now they're getting paid for doing some things based on the thing that they did nothing for. Mm. But, oh, which is essentially is the monarch. What have they done? They've done nothing except for be born and then show up and word things. But I think this, I don't know if this is connected somehow, but I was getting coffee the other day. Yes. And I met this woman who is actually very, I've known her, I've, I've seen her for years, for probably 10 years. She's cold as ice. I, I mean, she's not warm. In your neighborhood? In my neighborhood, okay. yeah, yeah. And she's always at the coffee shop where I go get coffee. And and um, and Kim and I both, you know, talk about the fact that she's just a wall. Well, the other day, she actually talked to me. It's been 10 years, but it was because her friend was talking to me, and then he started asking me all these questions, and he started talking about fashion, and he was in the fabrics business for years. He was in the in design. Textiles. That's yeah, textiles, yeah. And, uh, and he because he's been there so many years, knows a lot of people in the movie industry and then the world of art. And then she perked up when she heard me talk about fashion and then uh, books. She goes, what kind of books do you write? And then I told her and she was uninterested. And uh, and, uh, and then, um, which is what I've experienced for her for 10 years. But then she said, well, I write books. And I said, really, what kind of books do you write? She goes, well, I wrote a book on Andy Warhol. Man, I perked up and yeah, I started so asking cool. all these questions. And she goes, yeah, I was I was really close to Andy Warhol. I guess she was one of like the women in his life, uh, in the last series of his life. And 
And, and she said, I started writing this book on him. And about halfway through, I said, and then she said some very colorful words, um, why does this book have to be true? <laughs> She said, half the stuff in the book I just made up. No way. <laughs> she, so she started telling me, she said, because really nobody knew what was true, what wasn't, and I didn't have enough material, you know, for the whole thing. So I just started making up all this that's, stuff. That's, and, that's crazy. <laughs> and then she said, and I wrote a second book about me, and I just made almost all of it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm listening to her, and I thought, uh, one, is... uh, I'm really interested in Andy Warhol because he seemed like he was a guy that um, – like if you identified his talent, I don't know if you could, you could, but he was able to always bring talented people together and he directed talent to create interesting things. And, and as she was talking about his life, I, I, I was just thinking about how you're talking about the, you know, the crown and aristocracy and, and, and all these different things, how, um, in this conversation with this woman, one, she's talking about how how Warhol kind of created this world and this mystique and he almost created for himself an, an illusion of greatness that was maybe even bigger than who he really was. You're talking about the Kardashians and everything else and how um, people become famous. But there was never any expectation on Andy Warhol that he would be like, let's say, like a good person or something like that. Like there's a lot of people in the world, in their career, you don't really attach their talent to their character. So let's say if, if a surgeon has affairs or if a surgeon has a really dark life, you don't, you don't suddenly go, every surgeon is evil. Or if your plumber is a bad human being and you suddenly discover your plumber is unfaithful to his wife, you don't suddenly leap and go, every plumber is evil. When an actor is unfaithful or when an actor is sleeping around, when an actor is a horrible human being, you actually don't, not only do you not say, oh, every actor is evil, but you go, oh, that's just a part of being an actor. You almost give them a pass and go, that's because they're artists. Hmm. And then when you have a pastor, if you have one pastor who messes up, suddenly every pastor is evil. And so it seems like pastoring is a one place where if one person messes up, everyone's indicted. And But not if you're a dentist. You, you know, if you're a dentist, had an affair, you don't go, wow, all dentists are having affairs. And, uh, and, and ironically, with politicians, I mean, how many politicians have we seen that are corrupt? I mean, how many of them have you seen use their position in government for their own personal benefit, and yet somehow we do the opposite. We not only, we may say, oh, all politicians are corrupt, but we accept that as the standard. And so they get to live like that. They do, and it's it's kind of interesting. But no, but I, what, I, what I mean by, well, my connecting point with the monarch and the Kardashians and these people who kind of are public figures is I think that it ends up in comparison to like what, one, I think the American people are seen as free, and I'm like, you don't understand. We're not free at all now. <laughs> Two, you, you you compare it to pastors, and you look at it, and you go, what I think, what I think people, how they see us, is very interesting because it's it's perfection without any type of level of trying to understand. It's well, you need to be perfect because the moment you're not perfect, you're destroyed. We watched a good friend or a good distant friend be destroyed recently and then people in his own family calling him out for other people supporting him and then people on the opposite side you know supporting him and we were kind of watching this thing going it's very interesting to watch how like when something bad happens people they one look for, for absolute destruction mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? And I just like, who cares? Like, not that who cares. Yeah, he, did, he did some really bad things. But if you ever met him in person, he was not kind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you go, hey, that's probably a reflection of what was going on inside. But there, I had moments where he was incredibly kind to me. And so I look at it and I go, it just, I, I dub that as just an incredibly complicated human who's going through stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a desire to destroy people and definitely not publicly. Mm-hmm. And so I always find it interesting when like the mob effect happens and people go for the jugular, even, mm-hmm. even people inside of their own families. I'm like, do we not at any point just go, this person is falling apart. Do we have to put more cameras on it? You know, and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's kind of in this collective nature of you look at the crown and how Princess Diana dies, and there were so many cam- literally dies where there's cameras on her, and it's like, and then you bring it now, and it's like that has become the definition of how people, famous people, like get destroyed. But what's so we funny? We watch yeah. and we take photos, and then we we bring more awareness to the destruction, and then it's ruined. Yeah, but that's a perfect example. Uh, the crown. Um, I mean, I know it's not a historical document. It's not a documentary. And, uh, yeah. But I always knew that Charles was having an affair with Camilla, or at least I always understood that. Right. I, I didn't know anything because I wasn't there. Right. right. But I've always understood that. Right. But I, I was never aware that Princess Diana was having endless affairs. Oh, you didn't? That was everywhere. I, the bodyguard? I See, I didn't know. I was a kid and I knew that. That was, that was like in the post all <laughs> did, the time. Did you guys know that? No, and I am not that far in the the season yet. Uh, so okay, well, sorry. Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! Well, this is historical. It's historical. So if yeah, you don't know, it's, it's kind of fault. on you. It's, I know she dies. <laughs> but my whole point of this is that it, a lot of it is about likability. See, Charles just wasn't likable, and so I think that his infidelity stuck to him because of his lack of likability. Well, there's an interesting moment where he, where Prince Diana says, I, I'm starting to loathe you. And he says, yeah. well, good, you're catching up with the rest of us. Yeah. And I just thought it was such a revealing moment because it really had nothing to do with everyone else and had everything to do with how he didn't like himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about people who exist. So obviously, like, respectfully and not, you mm-hmm. know, we don't want to be too, too on it. But, like, as, like, a as maybe um, an example that we can kind of look at, look to. It's so interesting that I think so much self-destruction comes from how we see ourselves. From self-loathing. Yeah, self-worth, self-respect. I want to finish that point saying, I think part of the reason things didn't stick with Diana is because she was so likable. And that a lot of times when 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 you make mistakes or when you mess up or when you just do something really horrific, the way you treated people has a lot to do with how many people become your net to help you overcome that disaster in your life. And then I want to go back to your point because I thought it was a really empathetic point that even with Charles's unlikability, um, public unlikability, we don't understand the pain and the brokenness that brought him to that kind of that place in his life. And I think sometimes that, that that's why for me, I'm really careful. I, I try never to speak negatively about public people um, unless somehow I felt it was critically essential. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a bandwagoner on, on criticism and negativity and judgment on people um, because I would like to be judged with grace myself. You know, we were having this conversation of like, do you get what you deserved in the end when you know you're like, 
when you know people are going through some dark stuff inside and it's coming because it's leaking and coming out everywhere else. And I was a product of that situation in a lot of ways of what I had like, um, what I had seen and what I'd witnessed and what I had been, um, what you experienced, experienced. And, and it it does, you don't leave the same when you experience really heavy stuff. You came back really um, from impact. working for that person, yeah. yeah, impacted in a negative way. You came back with a lot of baggage from yeah. That, and I was talking, and, it, and it's interesting because the 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 three or four guys I know that w- we saw a lot but didn't quite know what was going on. It the conversations I've had with a, f- a few of them now, we've really had to process it, right? Like mm-hmm. when your heroes fall, you realize that like, did you put the right worth, like yeah. or value in it? Or did you, because for me, nothing changes. Like I knew that person was in a tough place in his life. And so I'm just going to look at everything that God did through him in my life as a positive. That's I'm not going to discredit it mm-hmm. because then it discredits my faith and my own journey. Right. But I did find it interesting that the moment people were coming out about him, the next, literally the same day, people were starting to, group me into stuff going if this guy is out and getting destroyed we should start destroying aaron for the things that he's done i could not understand that people i don't even know which is interesting so i had like a massive anxiety i know you want to run for your life oh i'm not well this is the thing i always want to go head on first like you want to come for me let's let's go but i'm going to destroy you as you destroy me because i don't do well with losing and the, but then I was like, this guy I don't even know. And so I, you know, some of his friends or their friends reached out and were like apologizing, trying to get him to take it down. Then we realized it was just kind of a Twitter troll. And then it was like, okay, so, you know, you if you really want to like say whatever you're going to say, I guess you got to say it. But why does like, why does, why do our past have to be on display for people? That's yeah. the thing that I wonder. Because and, like, because yeah. like, well, I've been trying to write this book. And I'm like, I can go real heavy into some dark stuff that I was in, mm-hmm. or I can move on and, and like the grace that I have received. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm not the person that I worked for, but I am my own set of problems mm-hmm. and mistakes and errors. And so mm-hmm. we get into this place of like, is it comparison or is it context or is it just the life we've lived? And, and, but I will say that being a pastor in it, the thing that I've learned mm-hmm. is that I don't think I actually like the projection of perfection more than anything else. And so I've said this a lot. I'm like, I'm not a pastor. Like, I don't want to be. Like, I don't accept the role. I accept the role of building the church, but I don't accept whatever projection of perfection that people have on me because I'm still reserving the right to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And there are days where I'm like, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is within weeks, I had people attacking me. Yeah. And going at me like I somehow I had done something wrong. And yeah. And uh, I responded to one, and you and Mariah said, hey, delete it. Don't we, do that. And it just made yeah. me so angry. And um, for, what, for whatever reason, um, people feel like if you're involved in ministry, you're like, open game. You don't have feelings. You don't have emotions. You're not a human. Uh, they can come at you and try, try to destroy you too. And um, and yet I know a lot of people, Aaron, who have actually said to me, and I think they've said to you, 
Aaron, because you're so transparent, you're so honest about your struggles and so honest about your um, your past and just you know straight up about how you're when you're doing well or not doing well. I've had people tell me you give them hope because they feel like wow, I have a chance then. And I think the problem is when people try to act like they're perfect and they have it all together and they've never struggled. And by the way, um, well, that well, is always the interesting thing, right? Yeah. Like the people who who throw the garbage usually end up being pretty dirty themselves. Well, that's why they and, have garbage to throw. Well, yeah, and <laughs> and it and it like there have been times in my past where people who I thought were friends tried to destroy me or try to destroy relationships that I were that I was in or like you know I'd come out of one in 2019, and it was ironic because that person's like roommate friend came to me and was like you should know about this guy. He's like X, Y, Z and just kind of outs everything that he's been going through. Mm -hmm. And I was just in that moment, I didn't feel like I needed to fight it anymore. I'm like, oh, it's the garbage man throwing garbage at the other garbage man. Like, <laughs> like we're both in the mud. Like, what, like we're all just trying to figure this out. How do we just, how do we rise above it and go like, why do we have this thing where we have to destroy each other along the way? Because even for my old boss and pastor and mentor and, hero in a way i i still don't see him as a as a as this villain i still like i just still see him as going like you're just an older version of me when i when you got me like you have to now hopefully someone grabs him and helps him get to the next place of health um because he helped me get to a place of health mm -hmm. and, and he broke some things along the way so it's like, yeah. it happens we we're broken people yeah, it reminds me of when um, Mel Gibson, who's pretty much been ostracized from the Hollywood community, when it was Mel Gibson who actually made the effort to redeem Robert Downey Jr. when he was uh, at the bottom of his life. And effort. in and out of prison. Yeah, and Robert Downey Jr. actually says Mel Gibson saved his life. And I just think that's such an extraordinary thing. I, I mean, obviously Mel Gibson, he needs people to save his life. Yeah. And, and and maybe what we need to realize is we all need each other to save each other's lives, and we definitely need Jesus to save our lives. And that, um, unfortunately, we're more of a mess than we let people know. We're, we're always in the struggle, and we don't all have the same struggles, you, you know. We don't have same issues. Um, and I've been married to Kim for 36 years. I've been faithful to my wife for the whole 36 years. And, and, um, but I struggle with night terrors. Yeah. And, um, um, and some days, um, I'm terrified to go to sleep because I can't fix this about me. And, um, and it's overwhelming. You know, and, and here I am, I've been a follower of Jesus for 42 years, and you would think I would be over this. You'd think that would be in my past. You'd think that I would be so... But what are your night tears of? Is it because you, something happened when you were younger or something like, what do you think it was? I've tried to identify them, and I, I, they started when I was young. They started when I was like five years old, if I can remember back. And, um, and that's probably what put me in a psychiatric chair by the time I was 12. And, uh, and, you know, and then I gave my life to Jesus right when I turned 20. And I've watched so much of my life become healthy and whole, and, and, um, and I can't shake this. 
in my life. I mean, we, I, have we talked about it here? I don't Never. think we have. When, I mean, we were in Copenhagen. Yeah. Did we talk about this on, on the You podcast? might have mentioned it briefly. Yeah, when, when you called me, and this isn't funny, like, yeah. it's, we laugh at it dark, in a dark way now, but you called me, and we had both just gone to our rooms, and we were seeing our good friend Thomas Hansen, and he was like, he dropped us off at the hotel, like, shower real quick, and we grabbed dinner. Mm-hmm. And so we were showering, and he was waiting in the lobby, and you call me and you're like, I can tell something's not well. And you're like, I'm yeah. dying. I think I'm dying. I think I'm dying. I need you to come here because I'm going to literally die. And I'm like half asleep. I wake up. I go running up like the stairs. To I go think to I said, I want to I be able to say goodbye. Yeah, you said I want to be able to say goodbye. And then like you're freaking out and I get there and then you're in the hallway and you're like out of it. And, you know, you don't take drugs. Like, I mean, maybe we were jet lagged. Like, I don't know. We were like, that was a crazy trip. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. No. <laughs> you know, I don't smoke. No. Anything. I did all of those things. <laughs> I was the one who did all those things. I was the one who, who got into all the trouble. And and I'm the one that has hallucinations. <laughs> yeah. And I'm chilling. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Um, Somehow this is not just. <laughs> no, it's not just. No. And, 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 and then I like find you and I just start cussing. Like I'm losing my freaking mind. Like I'm like and i just felt like, like it was crazy i was like i literally thought you were gonna die it sounded like you were dying you're like hyperventilating it was a bad and i was like what the heck just happened and then you were like mad at me for cussing and i'm like no i'm mad at you for dying like <laughs> what, what, what you're gonna be mad at me yeah. but i've you know i've grown up with that i've almost had to like stab you with epi pens before like you know th- we all have these things that we struggle with and we go through and i think it's how do we unlock freedom inside of whatever it is that is destroying our our internal world yeah and then connecting that to chess it's kind of this game of of getting trapped and getting free well setting traps and then helping yourself get free in the movements of chest of chess and you have these different variations and these different openings and these different movements and all to help free and 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 trap the opponent and so what are you you gonna say Actually, the other day, you beat me in a match where I was at 100% certainty that I was going to win. Mm-hmm. I had you trapped. I had you on your heels. It, it, I mean, I devastated your defenses. And you had one error. And then you beat me, and then you sent me, I survived. <laughs> and I thought that was like, it's a beautiful metaphor you're talking about. Yeah. That... Um, you actually found the singular way of escape and actually not just escaped, you actually thrived and won. Yeah. And that's usually, and maybe I'm a survivor because that's usually how <laughs> I win. I don't almost ever win within 15 moves. I almost always win past 33 before 45. Mm-hmm. And so, because I think I my end game is stronger, my survival <laughs> game is stronger than my initial strategy. You pay more attention when you're afraid. It's very true. But even <laughs> even in college, even in high school, I never did well when you had like months long prep. I was the one who I would always make an agreement with my group projects. If you do all the work, I will present it <laughs> because I can learn this overnight and make it sound awesome. But you have to do the groundwork because I don't have the consistency to get there. You know, or the or the attention span, mm-hmm. and so like y- you learn different things about yourself in these moments. Mm-hmm. But even when people and I like back to people trying to destroy people, I think at the end of the day, you have like w- you we said something, and I was like, we don't speak on the dead. Like you just don't yeah. speak on speak ill of the dead. Yeah, 
you don't speak yeah. poorly on some part of someone's life that's died. Yeah. You have to just let it die and let it go. And it doesn't mean you have to trust the person right away because, mm-hmm. you know, you're called to forgive. It doesn't mean you're called to trust. Yeah, there's some things that haven't been said that need to be said, but if it's been said 5,000 times, why jump on top of the pile? Yeah. And, you know. and I think there's something about our human nature and maybe our American culture where we almost celebritize mm-hmm. the destructive moments in people's mm-hmm. lives. And it's on that person whether or not they'll like survive and get out of it. Yeah. But what's that phrase you use? I think our culture is really thirsty. Our culture is very thirsty. Really thirsty for for gossip. You yeah. Know, for, uh, we're, we're not, not just gossip, we're, we're thirsty for the destruction of other people. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. So that's, I think maybe this podcast and whatever book I end up writing, it would just be a self-destruction book. Yeah. Because it's like, if I out myself before you out me, then there's really nothing you can do to me. Yeah, yeah you know, and um, even just talking about like my own, you know, personal struggles in this um You cannot know how many times I've been in a really fragile state of being, and then I find myself getting just bland blasted and destroyed on Twitter or Instagram or someplace. And I've actually had that thought to myself, if these people only knew how much I was going through, yeah, I don't know if they would be this cruel. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, and yeah. uh, I, you know, because this is pretty fresh for me because. Um, Last night was pretty horrific for me, and I came in pretty exhausted. And I had to sit down with Kim and say, um, "I'm making progress because it's gotten worse. I start, I start moving into night tears before I'm asleep, and I'm having to, like talk myself out of this." And uh, I said, "You know how exhausting it is to die over a thousand times," yeah. and. And I think when people look at you with success, and maybe they want your success, or they look at you with some level of fame, and sadly they want that fame, or they see you maybe with some level of wealth and they want that wealth, yes. they, they feel like, oh, that person's stronger or more powerful than me, so I, I, I can destroy them a little bit, make myself feel good, and, uh, and it's okay. And what you don't realize is that all of us probably have our moments where we're, where we're really fragile, Mm. And I, I, I want to always like help a person get better. Mm. I want to help a person find healing, mm. and uh, and and I don't need to belittle someone else to make myself bigger. No, and I think that that's a part of where our culture is at. We don't believe we can become more, so we have to make other people less. And and I feel that. Like, I don't want to become a worse chess player. I want you to become a better chess player. And the better you are, the better I have to get if I want to keep winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 I, I started, there was a certain point along the way where when I played with you, I knew I couldn't play at my best. And then when you beat me. I mean, I didn't play you for a decade, probably. Yeah. Because and, I couldn't play you. And then you beat me it in was so like demoralizing. some number of moves that I was not happy with. Under was, 12, for sure. No, it was like 28. That's not even true. And, uh, okay. I remember and I, fact opened, checkers, I fact opened with, with my queen's rook prawn. No. And, um, <laughs> and I'm talking about the one like two weeks ago or something like that. Oh, know? yeah. That was, it was uh, 33 moves. So when you beat me in that match, I thought to myself, oh, I, I need to bring my best game. 
mm-hmm. or I'm going to get beat. And I haven't won since. No, you did. You won one other time. Okay. And, uh, and it's like two to six right now. But that was like, to me, the most rewarding loss because I gave you my best game hmm. and you still won. And and the, which means I have to elevate my attention. I have to elevate my, elevate my perception. I have to elevate my thinking. And I love that. And I... I you know, maybe if if the application of this particular podcast can be about everything, about about anything, is that uh, when other people don't live up to our expectations or our standards or even the standards they should live up to, mm. instead of using their failures as a way to make ourselves feel better, mm-hmm. let's use their failures as an inspiration for ourselves to be better mm-hmm. and uh, and to live up to more mm-hmm. and. And then let's celebrate everywhere someone is doing well and celebrate where other people are inspiring us because we don't want to just be thirsty for where people mess up. We want to be thirsty for where people are doing well and celebrate that. Love it. I think that's good to wrap up on that. Hey, thank you so much. You're listening to the Battle Ready Podcast with Erwin and Aaron McManus. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, we just want to thank you and, and hope you guys are doing well and have had the best Thanksgiving holiday. This is on Black Friday, I guess. And so maybe this is a little bit of a darker episode again for Black <laughs> Friday. The, what's up? Battle Ready's on sale today. Battle Ready's on sale. Oh, that's right. No, it's always free. It's always free. <laughs> you can sponsor us. Oh, that's Which, a great idea. We've been, we were thinking about doing ads. I don't know if we'll do ads, but you can sponsor us. I would much rather have patrons than ads. Yeah, you can you can go to um, the 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 link in the Bite Already podcast Instagram bio and on Anchor. You can give like nine nine cents. You can give five dollars. You can give twenty bucks. You can support, but whatever or, that, whatever you do, I don't want to hold you back. You can give ten thousand or a hundred thousand. I don't think you can. <laughs> I don't think you actually can. But if you want to, I'll send you. I'll send you my account, my bank account number. If you want to give hundred thousand dollars, because it's free to you, but it's not free to us. No, no, no. It, yes, definitely. We have a team, and and we're. It works really hard and 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 we're really grateful so uh we love you happy thanksgiving and we will see you back here we haven't decided if we're going to do december for battle ready we will see but we will see you soon all right we'll see you at least in uh, 2021 yes we will all right goodbye bye